Hello and welcome to the final episode of the first series of the House of Cars podcast. Coming up today, the Mandalorian star Gina Carano fired from Lucasfilm and Disney amid social media controversy. Tom Holland says Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are not in Marvel's version of Spider-Man 3. Disney decides to close down the studio famous for the Ice Age franchise and robots. Blue Sky Studios is set to close in April. Sticking with Disney, um, Disney CEO Bob Chapek flexible over Disney Plus premiere access release for Black Widow. WandaVision becomes the most popular series in the world on Disney Plus and Jeremy Clarkson says that the trio are down to do more episodes of the Grand Tour. All that and more is to come. But first, in light of recent days, the Mandalorian star Gina Carano has been fired from Lucasfilm amid social media controversy. In a statement released by Lucasfilm, it says, Gina Carano is not currently employed by Lucasfilm and there are no plans for her to be in the future, Lucasfilm said in a statement. This is coming from the thehollywoodreporter.com. Gina Carano will not be returning to The Mandalorian. Gina Carano is not currently employed by Lucasfilm and there are no plans for her to be in the future, a Lucasfilm spokesperson said in a statement. Nevertheless, her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. Uh, on Wednesday, Carano was trending on social media after the Mandalorian uh, star shared a post inferring that being a Republican today is like being Jewish during the Holocaust. Now, I don't normally air my um, or get involved in uh, political stories on the podcast. Um, I tend to stay well enough away from them. Um, however, given that this story has been circulating on the media for uh, several days um, I thought I'd give my opinion on the story um, the Instagram post since deleted but screenshotted and widely shared by users on social media from the outspoken conservative actor and former mixed martial artist was met with several with severe backlash and as has happened in the past social media users called her Called on her termina- called for her termination from the hit Disney Plus Star Wars show. This is not the first time Carano, who plays the former Rebel Alliance soldier Cara Dune on The Mandalorian, has been the focus of social media for uh, her political comments. Last November, she issued contentious tweets, um, one of which she mocked mask wearing amid the novel coronavirus pandemic and another in which she falsely suggested voter fraud occurred during the 2020 US presidential election. The Mandalorian debuted on Disney Plus in November of 2019 and as its highest earning as its highest profile series helped power the streaming service to impressive subscription numbers. Multiple Mandalorian spin-offs are in the works from executive producers John Favreau and Dave Filoni including Rangers of the New Republic uh, which could have potentially starred Carano, uh, though that was not ever officially confirmed. Uh, Carano's 
Cara Dune quickly became a Star Wars fan favorite after appearing in the 2019 Sanctuary. However, social media posts from the actor have also generated controversy and seen fans on social media use the hashtag FireGinaCarano trend periodically over the past few months. Um, my view on this is I think Disney have made the right decision in um, firing Gina Carano and Lucasfilm have done the same. Uh, the statements that she made um, in relation to this issue uh, are totally unacceptable and um, you know actors who are working um, for such a high profile company such as uh, the Walt Disney uh, company um, you know Disney uh, have a right to not accept um, have a right to fire uh, its stars if they feel that they have um, overstepped the line now I'm aware that everybody is entitled to an opinion but comparing uh, a, being a Republican uh, in today's society to um, those of uh, those being Jewish during the Holocaust is just something that um, Disney doesn't agree with and I totally understand where they're coming from so they have every right to uh, fire her um, moving on Disney is closing down Blue Sky Studios Fox's once dominant dominant animation house behind Ice Age um, Disney is shutting down Blue Sky Studios oh I should say that this is uh, from um, Deadline.com uh, Disney is shutting down Blue Sky Studios the 5.9 billion dollar global grossing former 20th century fox animation division that during its run turned out 13 feature films including the ice age franchise one can say that the writing was always on the wall for blue sky especially after disney acquired 20th century fox and its assets in march of 2019 however the past year has been challenging for disney on many fronts of course due to the pandemic not only not just only on the studio side but with theme park closures and cruise line duckings uh, sustaining a third feature animation studio was no longer viable for Disney given the current economic realities caused by COVID-19. The last day for Blue Sky will be in April. Uh, the number of Blue Sky employees being impacted uh, are is 450. Uh, Disney will be working with the employees at the Greenwich CT based uh, studio to explore open, position, open positions at other internal studios. A studio spokesperson told Deadline, given the current economic realities, after much consideration and evaluation, we have made the difficult decision to close filmmaking operations at Blue Sky Studios. The Blue Sky's library and IP will remain part of Disney, and uh, there are speakings that there are no plans for another major studio to absorb Blue Sky's employees and operations. A series based on Blue Sky's Ice Age characters is already in the works for Disney+. Plus. Through five movies, the Ice Age series grossed $3.2 billion at the global box office. Production on the 
Patrick Osborne directed Nimona, which is dated for January 14th, 2022, is being stopped and the film will no longer be released. Deadline has learned. Uh, Nimona, which had 10 months of production still to complete, followed a young shapeshifter who teams up with a mad scientist named Lord Ballister Blackheart to expose the ruler of the kingdom. Following Disney's acquisition of Fox, it was announced in August 2019 that Walt Disney Animation Studios president Andrew Milstein was named co-president of Blue Sky Studios, serving alongside co-president Rob Bird. Uh, Baird, or yeah, I'm sorry if I butchered the name. Both Milstein and Baird are expected to exit in the wake of Blue Sky closing its doors. The last Blue Sky release, Spies in Disguise, was distributed by Disney in December of 2019. It didn't do so well, grossing $66 million at the domestic box office and $171 million uh, worldwide. The hope was that the pick starring Will Smith and Tom Holland would spur a franchise. Blue Sky Studios was founded in February of 1987 by Chris Wedge, Michael Frano, Carl Ludwig, Alison Brown, David Brown and Eugene Troubles Coy. After their employer, tech company Maggie, which coincidentally worked on the visual effects for Disney's 1982 classic Tron, uh, shut down. Blue Sky's early clients include Bell Atlantic, Rayovac, Gillette, and Braun, and the house created the animation, the animated insects for the 1996 MTV movie Joe's Apartment. In August 1997, 20th Century Fox VFX company VIFX um, took a majority stake in Blue Sky and the animated studio began working on characters for Alien Resurrection, A Simple Wish, Mouse Hunt, Fight Club and Star Trek Insurrection. This was prompted by Chris Melandry uh, when he was serving as president of 20th Century Fox Animation. However, it was the Wedge-directed 1998 animated short Bunny that would catapult Blue Sky into feature-length animation productions following its Best Animated Short Oscar win. Melandry was also key in the expansion of Blue Sky with the Ice Age series before he left Fox to launch Illumination and another multi-billion dollar franchise in Despicable Me. Blue Sky's 2017 feature Ferdinand uh, directed by Carlos Saldana, received an Oscar Best Animated Feature nomination. Uh, and then Blue Sky's top-grossing animation features at Worldwide Box Office were Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs, Ice Age Continental Drift, Ice Age Meltdown, Rio 2, Rio, Ice Age Collision Course, Ice Age, Dr. Seuss, uh, Horton Hears a Who, Ferdinand, Epic, Robots the, and the Peanuts movie, and of course Spies in Disguise. Um, now, sticking close with Disney, uh, Disney's relatively new CEO after taking over from Bob Iger in, I think it was 2019 or last year, uh, says that he is flexible over Disney Plus premiere access release for Black Widow. Um, now, we all know this movie has been delayed and pushed back many times because of the course of the pandemic. And of course, with theatres closed, I don't think they have another option but of course they could wait longer and delay the um, movie potentially even further um, but not of course until theatres decide to reopen again uh, once the COVID numbers have relaxed. Uh, 
Disney CEO Bob Chapek flexible over Disney Plus premiere access release for a uh, Black Widow movie. Uh, during today's, this was during the February 11th um, quarterly investor call for the Walt Disney Company. Uh, CEO Bob Chapek was asked about the release of Marvel's Black Widow and future releases on Disney Plus either for subscribers or by premiere access. Disney CEO confirmed that they are still planning. They are still planning on releasing Marvel's Black Widow at cinemas. However, they are constantly watching what's happening and are willing to be flexible with its release. In a statement, he said, "We are still intending Black Widow to be a theatrical release. We will be watching the reopening of theaters and sentiment about consumers returning to theaters, and we will adapt accordingly. But for now, we are intending for it to be a theatrical release." He confirmed that Mulan premiere access was considered a success, which is why they are trying it again with Rhea and the Last Dragon um, on March 5th. I suspect the success of Rhea will impact the decision for Black Widow. Uh, during the same question, Bob Chapek said that they are still going to be flexible with the releases for the rest of the year. Um, taking things on a case-by-case basis as the situation changes. Some might be released on Premier Access and some might be moved directly to Disney Plus like Soul. The question is, would you uh, rather see Black Widow released in cinemas or on Disney Plus Premier Access? Sticking with that for um, a few moments uh, longer, um, recently it was confirmed by a Twitter account called Fandom that Disney have about three or four weeks to decide what to do with um, the film. The film, of course, being Black Widow. This is apparently after Kevin Feige, the president of Marvel Studios, and Bob Chapek came to a disagreement over whether they should release it on Premiere Access or a theatrical release. Kevin Feige is not in favour of what... HBO Max are doing, which is uh, releasing the film on streaming services and subsequently releasing them in theatres on the same day. And I haven't read into it, but that's as much as I've heard. Whereas the CEO is saying he is fle- he remains flexible over the release. So they have about three or four weeks to decide what they're going to do with the film. And then I suppose the outcome will be determined from that. Um, moving on now. Uh, let me see. Actually, no, that's there we go. Tom Holland, star of the Marvel Spider-Man um, films, uh, says that Tobey Maguire and Garfield are not in the third Spider-Man Marvel-led Super uh, Spider-Man movie. Um, Tom Holland, known for his spoilery comments and interviews, continues to deny Garfield and Maguire's involvement in the third Marvel-led Spider-Man film. This is, of course, from Screen Rant. Tom Holland says that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are definitely not in Spider-Man 3. Rumours have swirled in the past over the past few months about the untitled Spider-Man Far From Home sequel and its massive cast. It seemed as if everyone has who has ever starred in a Spider-Man movie has, at some point, been rumoured to star in the Holland-led sequel. Um, from villains to love interests and the web-slingers themselves, Spider-Man 3 is shaping up to be a massive film, even if only half the rumours are true. Excuse me. Um, Holland himself 
has said that Spider-Man 3 is the most ambitious standalone superhero movie he's ever seen. It's all but current it's all but guaranteed that when we pick up with Peter Parker later this year, the multiverse will have been broken wide open. Doctor Strange is returning before his own solo sequel, uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse in the Madness, Multiverse of Madness rather, and it's looking like he'll have to help Peter Parker navigate this uncharted territory. This is likely where Garfield and Maguire's Spider-Man come in, but according to Holland, they may not be in the film at all. Uh, Holland told Esquire that Garfield and Maguire are definitely not in the film. The actor says that unless this information has been kept from him, there's no way that the Spider-Man alum are starring alongside him. Holland, who previously said that there that he knows all the spoilers pertaining to Spider-Man 3, and he says that Garfield uh, and Maguire, Maguire's appearance would be too big of a secret to keep. He goes on to say that Spider-Man 3 will just be a continuation of the story that came before it, which is about as vague as it gets. In a quote, he is quoted saying, uh, no, no, they will be appearing... They will not be not. They will not be appearing in this film unless they have hidden the most massive piece of information from me, which I think is too big of a secret to keep. Um, too big of a secret for them to keep from me. But as of yet, no. It it'll be a continuation of the Spider-Man movies that we've been making. It's more than likely that Holland is just playing coy. It was only a few days ago that he said Marvel had not told him about Garfield or Maguire appearing in the film. Uh, but like pretty much everything else with Spider-Man 3, it's all but guaranteed that we'll be seeing the pair in the film. Holland has been known to give away to give spoilery interviews in the past, so it's likely easier for him just to flat out deny something than come up with a vague, convoluted answer that has the possibility of spoiling something. When it comes, the reveal of Garfield and Maguire's role in the film, or roles rather, will be nearly eventful as the film itself, so it's unlikely that Holland would confirm their roles in an interview. With all the rumours, it seems possible that the reveal will be saved for a trailer rather than the film itself. By the time December rolls around, Garfield and Maguire's involvement will be so ingrained in the minds of fans that the most that the moment could be lost could lose its impact. With Spider-Man 3 um, shaping up to be as massive as it is, Marvel will want to build hype steadily over the months leading up to the film. Right now, it seems it's a little too early to get the hype machine started. Um, yeah, I mean, given that there are rumours, or uh, that there have been rumours uh, circulating um, on the internet for the last few months, um, it is entirely possible that Maguire and Garfield, along with many other previous cast members of uh, the films that came before it, i.e. the 2002-2007 trilogy with Tobey Maguire and the 2012 series, or two movie um, films with Andrew Garfield and their respective partners in the movie, um, could be that they do appear in the film at some point and certainly um, filming pictures and studio sets show that uh, specifically talking about Twitter here um, but as of yet nothing is confirmed um, 
and we'll have to wait for official confirmation from either Marvel Studios or Sony themselves. Um, moving on now, making sure One Division uh, becomes the most popular series in the world. Earlier this week, uh, it was reported that One Division had entered their streaming charts had entered the streaming charts for the first time. Though this date f- is from over a month ago, as it takes time for them to collect all the information. Now, according to Parrot Analytics, the Marvel series has become the number one television series worldwide. They get their data from an audience attention measurement system that captures an audience behavior data set by sieving through social media, fan ratings and piracy data to represent audience demand. Parrot Analytics data has shown that WandaVision got off to a slow start due to the 1950s sitcom style. Um, It was bouncing between number 7 and 35 spots worldwide. When the third and fourth episodes dropped, the series had begun rising in popularity, but not quite hitting the top spot. Then the big reveal at the end of the fifth episode of One Division, which saw Evan Peters debut as Quicksilver, and with him previously playing the character in the Fox X-Men movies, this shocking ending saw the top of Parrot Analytics chart. Hit the top of Parrot Analytics chart. The data shows why Disney's weekly release strategy works as Star Wars The Mandalorian also continued to build in popularity during each season until the finale. Wade Payson Denny, uh, analyst expert uh, for Parrot Analytics, Payson Denny explained the difference when compared to Netflix shows like The Crown or The Queen's Gambit. When we see a binge release series like we do on Netflix, we're seeing demand skyrocket at first for like a week. Then they really pop... um, then they really pop up at first, but quickly trail off. It's a quick hit for those stre- for these streamers, whereas with weekly release, uh, we see popularity gradually build over time, especially for a show like The Mandalorian and WandaVision. It really keeps this show in co- these shows in conversation for longer. With three more episodes of WandaVision left to be released on Disney+, the show's popularity will continue to rise before the finale on March 5th. Then it'll be a short break until Marvel's next series arrives being the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Do you think WandaVision will become even more popular? Um, do you think WandaVision will become even more popular? Let me know in... Uh, well, you can't really let me know in the comments because this is a podcast. But um, let me know on Twitter, at my Twitter handle, at Jack underscore Nanigan. And the source for this article is Forbes, and you can read it on the website, whatsondisneyplus.com. Now, as we are, as I am a motoring podcast uh, and all things automotive, um, earlier this week it was announced on Drive Tribe in a podcast um, that Clarkson was a guest on, uh, said that Jeremy Clarkson and the Grand Tour trio are down to do several more episodes of the Grand Tour. Having been satisfied with last year's A Massive Hunt, we are all eagerly awaiting for the next instalment of Grand Tour. In one of Andy J's recent podcasts on Talk Radio, Clarkson said some light on the Scotland special that will debut later this year. We've done Scotland and I know they are staying in the edit. It is very unplugged, he stated. The trio were unable to film abroad last year and needed somewhere accessible. We couldn't go abroad, obviously, for obvious reasons. Uh, I think everyone will understand why, so we did Scotland, Clarkson added. Um, When interviewed about the episode's air date, he hinted at the possibility of a summer release. I would have guessed you would have seen the Madagascar special in May, and 
here we are in December. With the exception of face mask retailers and preppers, uh, last year was an unexpected turn south for all. Not everything went according to plan. So when is Scotland happening? Uh, ready, steady, June. The trio were spotted filming the 60-minute special in the Scottish Highlands during October of last year. Each presenter was seen driving an American classic with a caravan attached to the back. Uh, Clarkson also hinted at the possibility of another episode airing before the end of this year, with lots of ideas in the jar. We're down to do several more. Several more, let's put it like that, he stated. Uh, which is great. It's great from our point of view. And that is great news for us. He said, he's quoted saying, it won't be, it won't be, but it could be shown in June, I think. And that is, of course, from Drive Tribe. Um, and that does it for this series of the podcast. Um, however, I'll be back next week with a highlight reel of all the best bits from this series with um, a possible return date of maybe April or um, May later in the year. Uh, dates and that and days are yet to be worked out. Um, like I said previously, or like I'm going to say now, I want to be able to do this for as long as possible, stretching it over for as long as um, needs be. Um, I enjoy doing this and as a creative media student I think podcasting is an avenue that I am continuing to explore um, now I had run a poll on my twitter page at jack underscore Nelligan if you want to have a look um, basically asking my followers what they would better suit for series 2 if I was to come back and do a second series uh, keep it as it is on a Monday move it to a Tuesday or move it to um, Wednesday, early Wednesday morning. Um, that poll ran out an hour, two hours ago at this stage, um, and I will run it again later in the day um, for a longer period of time. Um, and yeah, I kind of really want to, I suppose, get a gauge of what the viewers would like and. Um, Kind of see how it goes. Uh, over the next few days, once this episode goes out, I will give you an insight into the analytics of the podcast to show you where it's performing well, what age demographic it's reaching, and the countries that it's being reached in. Uh, currently, the majority of listeners are in Ireland, uh, with some stretching out to the US, Egypt, uh, and so forth I think I have some in let me go to my anchor dashboard and uh, let me see so yeah so 75% of listeners are from Ireland uh, or listening in Ireland 4% is Canada 4% is Egypt 4% is Ghana and 12% is the US so that's just a small insight into uh, the analytics. I will be, of course, sharing more information over the coming over the coming days um, in relation to how far, wh what age demographic, what you know, the listening platforms that people prefer listening on, and the geographic location of 
uh, all this um, just to give you a better idea as to how the podcast is performing and I suppose as well it'll help me gauge um, what kind of content you guys are after in relation to this um, so as I said before um, I will run a Twitter poll for longer based on the previous question I asked an hour ago um, and I hope to see you again in April or May uh, I'll have more information released on this uh, on the next series in the coming weeks and months ahead and um, the only reason I'm saying April or May is because I need to kind of give myself a month or two to kind of get myself organized and uh, prepare the episodes for a potential release of that of those two months uh, so with that said thank you very much for listening to the podcast for the last 10 weeks and um, yeah make sure you're subscribed to the podcast for more episodes to come um, I am looking for maybe a longer time scale so instead of maybe 14 15 minutes maybe a longer extended episode of or episodes of the podcast and uh, I'll be back next week on the 22nd of February with um, a highlights reel or a highlights episode of uh, the best bit from series one until then thank you very much for listening and don't forget to um, share the podcast on social media uh, listen to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts and all the major podcasting platforms where it's available. Thank you very much for listening. I've been your host, Jack Nelligan, and it's been a pleasure delivering this podcast to you for the last 10 weeks. Bye for now.